Welcome to Coach Bennett's Podcast, where every run has a purpose, where kindness is hardcore, where this is about running, and this is not about running, where every starting line is a finish line in disguise, where rambling still gets you where you need to be, where pineapple will never ruin your pizza, and the sodas, adult and not adult kind, are always cold, and where there is room on the starting line for everybody. I'm Coach Bennett. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. Let's get started. This is episode 10 of Coach Bennett's podcast, The Recovery Run. And I got to say, this is an all-time great episode. Why? Well, because The Recovery Run, as far as I'm concerned, is the most important run of all. Why? Well, it could have something to do with the fact that it's the run you do more than any other runs. Could have something to do with the fact that if you can nail the recovery run, you can nail all the other runs. And you know what? You got to listen to the episode. It's a great episode. And we've got a mailbag. We've got some other cool stuff. So let's just get started. Welcome to episode 10. That's right. We have done it. We've done it together. We've made it to double digits. No more of this single-digit nonsense like 7 and 8 and 4 and 3 and 2 and 1 and 9. None of that garbage. We've got two numbers. That's right. A 1 and a 0. And yes, there are some math nerds right now that are saying zero's not even a number. It's like a placeholder or something. Pump the brakes, geek. It's fine, okay? And I'm using those terms like geek and nerd in the most respectful ways. As far as I'm concerned, geeks and nerds are rock stars, okay? So there's your compliment. Now put your hand down because we're not talking math. We're talking the recovery run. That's right. We're talking about the most important run of your week. And if you're someone that runs a couple days a week, guess what? The recovery runs are the most important runs of the week because they hold it all together. If this was the Big Lebowski, the recovery run would be the rug. And that's why we're talking about the recovery run for this entire episode. But before we get into the recovery run, I just want to catch up with everybody. It's been a week. It's been a week since episode nine, single digits. What's up, single digits? We're in the double digits. Okay, we're going to put that baby to bed. But it's been a week since the last episode. The last episode was the long run. So let's catch up. Let's talk about what's been going on. I'll, I'll tell you this. My running's better. In the last episode, I believe I mentioned towards the end when I was talking a little bit about the week ahead, which was now last week, that I was hoping to get some better runs in. I have gone through a little period here in 2023 where the running is sub-mediocre. Most of it's my fault. It's not injury-related. It's not sickness-related. It's just bad planning, maybe. Maybe it's scheduling that's off. My priorities maybe are a little out of whack when it was coming to the runs. You know, it would be one of those things where I'd be getting later in the day. You know, I'd be getting my work done, and now it's like, okay, I need to go for a run. And then I'd waste some time, and suddenly it's like, I got to make dinner for everybody. There's a Yankee game coming on. Next thing you know, I feel like I don't have that much time to get in the run I want to get in. So then I do 
an abbreviated version of the run I really wanted to do, which is fine sometimes. And I've told you, if you can continue to do the run you can do, even when you can't do the run you want to do, you're going to end up doing the runs you want to do soon enough. But that really wasn't the full story in this situation because I had the time to do the runs I wanted to do. I was just wasting time and truly wasting time. I wasn't doing anything proactive, beneficial, positive that I could point to and say, yeah, well, I didn't get to do the run I want to do because I did X, Y, or Z, which are really great and awesome. It was me just wasting time. It's the equivalent of, if you remember growing up, when you got bored, sometimes you would go around like your house or your apartment and you would just kind of look for treasure and junk drawers and underneath couches and underneath cushions and maybe in like parts of the basement or closets that didn't get looked at very much, thinking for some reason you were going to find something amazing. Like in my case, it would be maybe like an old baseball card or, you know, a penny that has like the wheat on it, you know, those old pennies, something cool like that, or uh, a quarter from 1976. Now, granted, if you're not from the United States, our currency, we've got a lot. Now we've got tons of different quarters and pennies and things like that. But back when I was growing up, a penny that had wheat on it was from like the 1930s or 1920s. So that was like a really big find. So you'd wander around the house looking for these things or, I don't know, like an, like a ping pong ball because you've had a ping pong table for seven years, but there's only two ping pong balls near the ping pong table and both of them have dents in them. So you're like, there's got to be a third ping pong ball somewhere. So you wander around the house in the hopes of finding treasure, but also maybe one of the treasure items is the ping pong ball, but I never found the ping pong ball. Anyway, the point is I didn't do, I wasn't doing anything great. I was doing nothing and I had nothing to show for it. And now suddenly my back's against the wall and the run I wanted to do is no longer an option. And the run I could do, even that I was kind of cutting short. So Anyway, this is the long story here, which shouldn't have even be a long story, is that last week my run started to get better. I started to head out the door when I knew it was time to run. I didn't waste time. I took the time I was given and I used it. And unsurprisingly, I had more time to run and I got better runs in. That doesn't mean I felt great on all the runs. In fact, on a number of the runs, I felt really sluggish and really tired. But even then, I was doing a good job because I wasn't rushed. So I just said, I'll just take my time and I'll ease into it. And I had a week of really good running, which is carried over into this week. So that's a cool update. I hope you're excited about it because I'm excited about it. I also mentioned in the previous episode that I'm starting to get into documentaries. And I watched another one last week, which is very good, called Fastball. If you're a baseball fan, it's a really good one. It's just about the fastball and some of the great fastball pitchers of all time and the science and the physics behind it, the history behind it. If you're a baseball geek, you're going to like it. We started watching this week on, I believe it's Netflix Quarterback, which follows Marcus Mariota of the Atlanta Falcons, Patrick Mahomes um, of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings, all from the National Football League. Also, super fascinating. Very similar to um, Drive to Survive, the F1 series, 
which is also really good. I, I have a feeling a lot of sports are going to look at what F1 did and they're going to copy them. They're going to say, hey, this really elevated F1's presence globally. Let's follow some of the athletes within the sport. It's like, duh, you think that's a good idea? You're going to humanize the athletes in your sport and you're shocked that that's going to make people have a deeper relationship and be more loyal to your sport? Come on, people. If you're someone who's in charge of a sport, if you work within a sport, if you want people to care, get them to care about the athletes. I mean, don't get me wrong. The game is fun and we will love the game. But we will love the game even more if we love the players playing the game. Okay, so there you go for all of you executives at all the sports around the world. We want to love the players. We do. You just have to give us access. You have to tell us their stories so we can fall in love with them. All right? It's tough to fall in love with a stranger. All right, so moving on, uh, the uh, two more things I just wanted to bring up. Um, I mentioned that I've been writing a lot more lately. And that has continued into this week. I believe I kind of hinted and said, yeah, I'm doing lots of writing, a lot of projects, and you're going to be excited about it. So I can't really tell you any more than that, other than the fact that this is episode 10. Okay? Understand? This is episode 10. Okay? Get it? I can't really tell you anything more, but I am working very hard and writing a lot. Okay? So I just wanted to let you know that during episode 10, okay? All right, now, that was, I think, the same hint three or four times, but that's really all I can say. So moving on, let's get into this episode, episode 10, The Recovery Run. Right off the bat, and I've already mentioned it, I'm just going to say it again. As far as I'm concerned, as a coach, as an athlete, the single most important run is the recovery run. And it's the most important run you do because it's the run you do the most. Let's just pretend you run five days a week. Three days a week, it's the recovery run. Let's say you run seven days a week. Odds are, sometimes it's six of the seven runs you do during a week, especially if you're not doing a speed run, like summertime for cross country or something like that or in a base building phase where you're not really running intense workouts yet, you're doing a long run probably each week, and you're doing six recovery runs. If you're running three days a week, you know, you could make the case that maybe you do a speed run every other week if you're not doing it every week, which means two out of the three runs some weeks are recovery runs. The point is over the course of your career as a runner, over your entire lifetime as a runner, Recovery runs are absolutely, without a doubt, going to be the highest percentage of runs you do, and it's not even going to be close. You're not doing three long runs a week. You're not doing four speed runs a week. At least you shouldn't. The overwhelming majority of runs you will ever do will be recovery runs or easy runs, and I'm going to be using those terms interchangeably throughout the episode. Easy runs are recovery runs. Recovery runs are easy runs. Okay, now let's talk about why you run so many easy runs. Why do you run so many recovery runs? Because of those other runs. That's why. Because of the speed runs and because of the long runs. So let's actually talk a little bit about 
what speed runs and long runs do. I'm not going to get exhaustive on either because episode 9 was exhaustive on the long run. And episode 11 or 12 or 13 or 14, one of them is going to be on speed runs. So you can focus on those episodes to focus on those runs. Today, the focus is on the recovery run. So this will be like a superficial skimming over of what speed runs and long runs do. First and foremost, they tire you out, okay? Like I could mention some of the other things that they do. Like obviously, both of them work on aspects of your running in a greater sense than a recovery run will do. Last week in the long run, I talked about things like the challenge of a long run, the callousing mentally, mindfully, emotionally, physically that a long run brings you, the efficiency that you can run with as you get deeper and further into a long run. Once you get past a certain distance or duration, you suddenly work on becoming a more efficient runner, more efficiently. I talked about the building and the creation of mitochondria and what those things do. With speed runs, you also become more efficient as a runner because of those faster than recovery run paces and sometimes way, way faster than recovery run paces. You learn how to become a more efficient and more powerful runner. You can develop speed and you also develop a type of callousing too with speed runs. Both of those speed runs and long runs will tire you out more than a recovery run. They will fatigue you more than a recovery run. You will potentially be exhausted after a long run or a speed run, depending on the distance, obviously, the duration and the effort of both of those. But you should never be exhausted because of a recovery run. You may head into a recovery run feeling exhausted, but the recovery run shouldn't exhaust you. It's the speed runs, it's the long runs, that beat you up a lot, which means you can't keep doing speed runs and long runs around speed runs and long runs. You have to do something else physically active. So if you want to run between those speed runs and those long runs, you're going to have to do a type of run that is not as intensive. Okay, that's the recovery run. That's the easy run. So this this recovery run is a way for us to build fitness. It's a way for us to build strength. It's a way for us to build endurance. It's a way for us to build confidence in a way that is also allowing us to recover physically, mentally, mindfully, emotionally, all those things that were taxed so severely during a long run and a speed run. The recovery run allows us to recover in those ways and set us up for another hard effort, whether that's another long run or another speed run. It allows us to recover while we are running. It allows us to take on an easy effort, which in so many ways refreshes us and revitalizes us after a hard effort that comes with a speed run or a long run. What I see as a coach is not just with the athletes, but also with coaches. The primary focus too often is on the speed run and the long run. The recovery runs are like throwaway runs. They just, they just don't matter as much as the long run and the speed run. It's like we've got a couple of flags that we're going to plant, and this is the long run flag, this is the speed run flag, and where's the recovery run flags, plural? Uh, we had a limited budget, so we just got these gigantic flags for the speed run and the long run. But the, the, you know, the, the, the recovery runs, who cares? 
Just go out, do whatever you want to do. Just make sure you're here early for the speed run. Make sure you get a good dinner and you sleep really well for the long run. And it should come as no surprise after my preamble at the beginning saying I think that recovery runs are the most important runs that I think that kind of mentality, that kind of coaching, that kind of philosophy is stupid. It really is. I mean, let me give you an example. When I started coaching high school, I realized that I had an opportunity where in order to get the team better, we could increase our long runs. And, and you can do this in a lot of different ways. And remember, every run is like it's like a blank canvas that you can paint and you can manipulate and you can add colors to. And the equivalent of that on a run, uh, you know, a dash of red here or blue here or a landscape here or, you know, hard edges here, pastels, whatever. I don't, I don't paint. I wish I did, though. You know, if you think about different hobbies to pick up and get really good at, painting seems like a really peaceful, creative outlet, doesn't it? All right. Anyway, so if you think of a run that way, there's a lot of different ways where you can play with, manipulate, and adjust a long run. You can make a long run easier based on the course you're doing. Are, are there undulations, uh, ups and downhills? Uh, is, the, is the terrain hard is it all on road or is it on a soft surface are you going to do it at a time of day where it's a little bit warmer and more humid or when it's cooler these are these are different ways that you can simply make a set distance or a set duration harder you can manipulate play with a long run that's one of the ways that you can make it harder and as i was thinking about ways to adjust the training the load that these kids had to take on, the intensity of the running that we were doing, I could look at the long run, that one run each week, usually on the weekend, and say, how can I really manipulate, adjust this one run so we get better? And I thought, eh, let's look at something else. How about the speed runs? And there's an infinite variety of ways that you can play with a speed run. I mean, you can manipulate the intervals you're doing, the length, the duration, the intensity. You can play with the recovery, shorter recovery, longer recovery, the even types of speed runs. It could be a hill workout. It could be a tempo run. It could be a fart lick. As I mentioned, it could be long or short intervals. There are so many different ways. It, it can be a combination. You can start out with a tempo run and then go into some intervals. You can start with some intervals, throw in a tempo in the middle and come back with intervals. You can throw in some, some hill repeats at the end of a tempo run. I mean, you could have a fart lick that at the end of it just turns into a long, steady state uh, progression run or tempo run, whatever you want to do. My point is you can manipulate, adjust, and play around with speed runs any way you want. I thought, okay, you know, if we're not racing on the weekend, uh, or even sometimes if we are, we may have two speed runs a week. So I could play with those two speed runs. I could do that. I thought, but, you know, I feel like I'm missing something here. Hmm. Well, we run seven days a week. What about those four runs that we do? What about the four easy runs we do? And if I look at just straight volume, whether it's measured by duration or distance, the overwhelming majority of distance and or duration we're doing each week is spent running those recovery runs. What if I focused on the recovery runs? What would happen? Because if I just focus on, let's say, the long run and not the recovery run, then there's a good chance I'm setting up my athletes to do a long run that they're not prepared to do because they haven't built up the required endurance, 
confidence to do those long runs. And maybe if I'm not focused on the recovery runs, and instead I'm focused on the speed runs, maybe they're not recovering enough to do those speed runs. Or maybe they don't, again, have the required mental fortitude, the endurance, the strength to take on these speed runs that I'm so focused on because four days a week, their runs are crap. And by the way, crap can mean not running enough or it could mean running too much. It could mean not running fast enough and it could mean running too fast. A crap run just means you're not running the best run that you could run for you. It does not mean you're not running hard enough and it doesn't mean that you're not running fast enough and it doesn't mean you're not running long enough. Too often we think a bad run means not fast enough, not long enough, not hard enough. No. I'll tell you what, as a coach, more often than not, the bad runs are when the athletes are running too hard, too fast, or too long. And that leads to not enough recovery. That leads to too much fatigue. That leads to us not being able to do the next run as well as we could. So that's for another day. But Today, I want to focus on the recovery runs because what I decided to do is focus on the four days a week. Sometimes it's five, sometimes it's six, and yes, sometimes it's seven days a week, those recovery or easy runs that we do. And I made a decision. If we can focus on making the quality of the easy runs better, if we can focus on being more intelligent, more aware about our recovery runs, that's going to lead to better speed runs. That's going to lead to better long runs. Way easier than focusing on long runs and hoping that leads to better speed runs and better recovery runs. And our running will improve quicker if we focus on better recovery runs than if we just focus on speed runs and hope that makes everything else better. So that's what we did. We focused on running our recovery runs better. Again... I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this repeatedly throughout the episode. Better does not always mean faster or longer. Better means better. And how you define better is going to be based individually on a day and or an athlete. So sometimes a better easy run for an athlete means backing off the pace, backing off the distance, backing off the duration. Sometimes a better easy run means running a little bit longer, running a little bit faster, running a little bit further. It depends, okay? So often in this sport, when people ask a training question, the answer is, it depends. And then there should be a follow-up question to the person asking the question. So a lot of times when people ask me a question, they're a little surprised because I ask them a question right back. I don't have enough of the details. It's not the fact that I don't have an answer. I have an answer. I just don't want to give you a C-plus mediocre answer when if I talk to you a little bit more, I could get more information, more details, and give you a better answer. So that's, I'm just, that's a little waiver. Have that be floating underneath the surface of everything I'm talking to you. But my point is I made a conscious decision as a coach to focus on on recovery runs and when I did everything else got better the four days of the seven day week those recovery runs which were sprinkled between speed runs and long runs allowed us to recover better in the truest sense and allowed us on days when we had the energy to maybe pick up the pace a little bit 
or extend out the distance or the duration, we did that too. We were always focusing on those four days to say, how can we make this as best as possible so we can be as ready as possible and in the best position possible to do those speed runs and those long runs as best as possible. It started with the recovery runs, and those recovery runs were there to help us run the speed runs and the long runs better. But the only way we're going to be able to consistently do those speed runs and those long runs better is if we consistently are focusing on our recovery runs. That's why I believe the key to great running is the recovery run. Now, let me tell you another uh, foundational aspect of my view of recovery runs, and it comes back to the definition of recovery. I believe in the episode of Coach Ben's podcast where I talk about every run has a purpose, I may have dropped the definition in there. If you've done runs with me before, you've probably heard the definition, but maybe you forgot, or maybe this is your first time. So you got to go to a dictionary, and you look up recover, and the definition of recover is to get back or regain something lost or taken away. Now, if you immediately go to the physical side of running, you may think, okay, what's been, what's been lost or taken away? Now, you could say energy, okay, because you're fatigued after a speed run. Because remember, place the recovery run or the easy run in the week. Why are you doing it? Well, you're doing it after a hard effort and in anticipation of a future hard effort. those That's kind of what gives the recovery run its purpose as a run. But there's so much more in that definition, if you think about it. And without understanding the other side of this definition, I don't think you get as much out of a recovery run as you can. And that other stuff you can get out of a recovery run, to me, is how you run consistently. Those recovery and easy runs are there for you to start And by the time you finish, feel better about yourself. Find more peace, more calm, more confidence. Get some of that mojo back. Laugh. And what you need to do is you need to look at your day or the days before or weeks before or years before or decades before and say, what do I need to take back? What do I need to get back or run towards on this run, what are those things that were lost or taken away? Was my confidence taken away today by some jerk boss or teacher or coworker or someone who I thought was a friend or someone who I know was not a friend? Did they rob me of some of my confidence? Did they rob me of some of my peace of mind? Okay, on this recovery run, I'm going to recover those things. And also, I will recover from a hard effort that I recently did and in anticipation of a future hard effort. And I'm also going to go out there and get back some of my confidence. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get those things that were taken from me today, yesterday, last week, whatever. If you can go out on those recovery runs and not be losing something, which too often people do. They head out on runs, and they want to lose an aspect of themselves. They want to lose weight. They want to lose this weakness they have. They want to lose this stress that they have. I say every run should be about gaining something, not losing something. Don't head out the door to lose weight. Head out the door to gain fitness. Don't head out the door to lose stress. Head out the door to gain some peace, some clarity. You should always end a run closer to you, closer to holy you, 
W-H-O-L-L-Y. You should end every single run more of you and not less. Because if you're running and trying to get better, you're trying to become a better version of yourself. The best version of you is 100% you. So you shouldn't be losing things. You should be gaining things. And that's what a recovery run is also for. So there's the physical side, but there's also the other side, those non-physical things, okay? So when you head out the door for a recovery run, don't just think of it as, well, I need to cover 5K because the training plan says I got to run 5K. Think, I'm heading out. I'm running 5,000 meters. What am I running towards these 5,000 meters? What's, what am I becoming over these 5,000 meters? What am I taking back, recovering over these 5,000 meters? What was taken from me that I want back that I can find out there on the run. And yes, I'm going to cover 5,000 meters and get endurance and I'm going to get stronger and I'm going to be a more efficient runner and all of those things too. So it's not like you have a limited amount of things that you can achieve on a recovery run. You can achieve a whole lot on a recovery run. You can recover a whole lot on a recovery run. Okay. It's not like you only have, you know, a few things to fit in your pockets. You can bring it all back on a recovery run, okay? All the good stuff you find out there can come home with you. The important thing is you got to be looking for it. You got to be open to seeing it. You have to realize you have the strength to carry these awesome things home with you that you find out there on the run. Okay, so that's the other thing that I just wanted to touch upon before we get into some kind of in the weeds type stuff with a recovery run. And one of those things in the weeds is how to run a recovery run, right? I mean, that's that's to me, like once we realize why recovery runs are so important, the next thing to talk about is how to run them the right way. Because if these are the most important runs of your training week, and you're running them the wrong way, you're doing the most damage you can do to your week on the recovery runs. I mean, think about it. If you're running two, three, four, five recovery runs a week and all of them you're running the wrong way, those are five runs out of potentially seven that you're not doing the right way. I don't think the speed runs and the long runs are going to improve as much as you want if all of the runs surrounding those runs are not done the right way. So how do you do a recovery run the right way? Well, if we go back to the purpose of a recovery run, which is to recover after a hard effort or in anticipation of a future hard effort, then we know that other name for recovery run sure does make sense now, doesn't it? It's an easy run. And remember, easy is not a pace. Easy is an effort. So if you're one of those people who has a bunch of numbers on their watch or their phone, and everything is based on those numbers, you're probably going to screw up the recovery run more than you think. Because if you're tired, if you're fatigued, if you're stressed out, if it's more humid than normal, if it's windier than normal, if you're running at nighttime, if you're running very, very early in the morning, if you're running and you haven't eaten in a while, if you're running and you're slightly dehydrated, the recovery run has to be adjusted. The numbers usually associated with your recovery run, well, they need to be adjusted. Whether you want them to be or not, it doesn't matter. 
if you want to nail the purpose of the recovery run, you have to change some things. You have to be your own best coach and say, hey, guess what? Normally I run six-minute Ks on my recovery run. Okay, great. Tell me a little bit about how you're feeling today, which is one of the most important questions you can ask yourself. Why? Because it's the most important question a coach can ask an athlete. How are you feeling? Well, I'm stressed out. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. It's humid out. I haven't really eaten very well. And I don't think I drank enough water today. All right, well, we're going to adjust today. And instead of running six-minute Ks, let's start out at seven-minute Ks. And then we'll slowly work our way down and we'll see how we feel. Let's check back in every K and just kind of make sure that the effort is still easy. If you're one of those people that when you head out the door for a recovery run or an easy run, you're basing everything off the numbers on your phone and your watch and you say, well, normally I run six-minute Ks. Well, after you've asked yourself how do you feel and you remind yourself of the purpose of the recovery run, you need to understand that averaging six-minute Ks on your recovery runs means sometimes when you feel good, you're running faster. Your average is, let's say, 545, 540. And sometimes when you're a little fatigued or the weather is not cooperating, the terrain's a little bit different, you're stressed out, any of those things, you may be running 620, 630 Ks on average, which means you normally run between 540 and 630 So yeah, you average six minutes, roughly, but the range is like a minute. That gray area, okay, that's what you play with. It also is a reminder that unless you've had a fitness jump, on a really good recovery run, you shouldn't be running 5, 10 Ks. That's too fast. What are you doing? If consistently you're running and suddenly you're noticing, hey, you know what? On my good days, I'm starting to run, you know, 530s. And on my not so good days, I'm actually running more like 610s and not 630s. Yeah, you're sliding. Little by little, you're sliding towards faster recovery run paces. But the effort is staying the same. That's the key. That's what you always come back to. What is the effort? Because if all you think about are the numbers and you dismiss the effort, that means on some easy days, you're running hard. Those are no longer easy runs. Those are no longer recovery runs. Now, you may think you can just, you know, bulldog your way through and say, well, the numbers are the numbers, so I'm going to do it. That's just dumb. You're not adjusting for what's going on with the athlete. If the athlete's tired, you adjust. If the athlete's feeling good, you know that on the faster side of that little gray area, That's probably where the athlete's going to live. And over a period of time, those small adjustments are called progression. So yeah, maybe, you know, in 2022, you were doing an average of six-minute pace on your recovery runs per K, which had you have a range of between 5.30 and 6.30 on your Ks. Terrific. And a year later, you've been healthy, your fitness has jumped, and now you're more like five minutes to 5.40, on your recovery runs. That's amazing. But it took a year. It took progression. It took time. Five-minute Ks on a recovery run a year ago would have been close to like a tempo run for you. And just because you feel good doesn't mean that you should be doing a tempo run on an easy run day. So one of the things you have to do is you have to really anchor yourself on what is the purpose of the run and what is the effort. It's just like when you're doing a tempo run If the effort suddenly becomes hard and uncomfortable to do, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you're doing a tempo run. That's really good. 
The same thing has to happen on an easy run. If an easy run is starting to really get hard, if it's starting to feel like an amazing Herculean effort, if you're starting to feel like, geez, I'm really, really working hard, you need to back off. You're not doing an easy run anymore. What's the purpose of this run? To recover from a hard effort or an anticipation of a future hard effort? What is the effort I'm supposed to be giving today? Easy. Am I achieving any of those things? Nope. Okay. Have the courage to back off. You know, courage isn't just for pushing. Courage isn't just for running fast. Courage isn't just for digging deep and being hardcore. Courage is for backing off. Courage is for running smart. Courage is for realizing I need a day off. Yeah, I know I have a streak, but I need a day off. I really need a day off. Running today would have a negative effect on me. Running today would make me a worse runner. Not running today would make me a better runner. Have the guts to take the day off. Or run shorter, or run with an easy effort, or a slower pace. Okay, I'll tell you what, in the long run, being a gutsy, courageous, brave runner will lead to better running. Just don't only associate being brave, gutsy, and courageous with running hard, fast, and long. So now that we know you have to anchor yourself on the purpose and the effort of an easy run, how should you do it? Well, I think almost all easy runs, for the most part, okay, there's, again, like I said, there's always, there's always a gray area, and there's always, well, it depends, but for the most part, they should be progression runs. What does that mean? It means over the course of your run, you get from your slowest running to your fastest running. Now, if you've run with me, I say this ad nauseum, just because I'm saying your slowest running, I don't mean you're running slow. And just because I say you're fastest running, I don't mean you're running fast. I'm saying a progression run on an easy run. The beginning should be the slowest running of the run. The end should be the fastest. But it doesn't mean you're running fast because you're never running fast on an easy day. You're never running fast on a recovery run. It's just the ending is your fastest. And the beginning is your slowest. And over the course of the run, you get an average. So like I said, if you average six-minute Ks on a recovery run, then I would think, well, maybe the first K is 640. And as you progress, you work your way down to six minutes and then below sub-six. The next thing you know, at the end of the run, you averaged six-minute Ks. That's how you do it. I'll tell you one of the great um, kind of secrets of running this way is that it takes the pressure off the beginning of the run. I, I, I know people, one, most people, the biggest mistake they make when it comes to running, which is also the number one reason why people hate running, is they start their runs way, way, way too fast. And they can't run the distance, the duration that they want to run because they're cooked. They started an easy run racing. Like, of course you're going to have to stop. You're completely out of control. What are you doing? And what happens is, then they try to run again, and all they remember is, gosh, that was really hard from the beginning. And they get tense, they get anxiety, and next thing you know, they're stressed out and they don't want to do this run because it's immediately miserable. The beginning of a run should be the opposite. No pressure, totally relaxed. Because I'll tell you what, most of the time when you start a run, you don't feel great. You've been sitting in traffic or sitting in school or sitting in front of a computer or just sitting 
or you've been walking around. You've been on your feet. So you're sluggish or tired or both. So when you start running, you have to give yourself some time to ease into the run, to give yourself some time, some distance, some meters, minutes, and miles to adjust from not running to running. So if you take the first couple of minutes, like the first 10 minutes at least, if you take the first K, 2K of a run to just ease into the run, no pressure, I'm just going to get my body moving, then you can relax and you can ease into the run. If you go in knowing, hey, the first couple minutes, the first couple meters is supposed to be the slowest running of the run, that again takes the pressure off you. So the beginning doesn't matter if you feel sluggish. I, I, can, I can run the sluggish off. I'm just not going to race it off. If you're feeling a little fatigued, it's okay. Don't worry. We're just easing into the run. No pressure. Stay relaxed. Try to run as comfortably as you possibly can. The pace doesn't matter. If you do this also, the pace will naturally progress more often than not. After a few minutes, you will find yourself running a little bit better. You'll be breathing a little bit better. Your form will suddenly feel a little bit stronger. And the reason why is because you're naturally progressing because you started out so easy and so slow that your body, once it warmed up, naturally started to pick up the pace. And the cool thing is, this way you can maintain that easy effort even with the pace picking up. I'll just remind you again, I said start slow. That doesn't mean you're running slow because too often people think of the word slow with a negative connotation, meaning slow equals sucks. Nope, at the beginning of a run, slow equals smart, okay? So instead of saying, I started slow, just say I started smart. And instead of thinking I ended fast, because people think fast means out of control and sprinting, you finished strong. You finished stronger. But still doing a recovery run, which is an easy run, okay? Maintain that effort throughout, even though the pace is dropping. Now, another thing I want to talk about here, because... I think recovery runs and easy runs tend to get a little bit of a bad rap. And part of it is because we, we do them so much more than the other runs. So a long run, it's once a week. It's hanging out there. There is a little bit of fear that comes with the long run. So it's kind of treated as this this special type of run where you're actually even maybe planning, like I said, getting into bed early or getting out of bed early, maybe meeting people. There's dinners the night before and brunches and lunches after it's just its own little run out there on its nice wonderful island the long run speed runs exciting kind of scary fast and they have you know underneath the umbrella of speed runs there's so many different types so they're also kind of put off on their own and they're special too because they don't happen as often as the recovery runs, the easy runs. So there's a little lack of respect, I think, given to recovery runs. But I think as a result, there's not as much planning that goes into easy runs and recovery runs. Now, all of this is my long-winded way of saying, when it comes to recovery runs, people make them boring. The recovery runs don't need to be boring. Easy runs don't need to be boring. They can be the most fun of anything all week because you do them the most, which means you have the most flexibility to mess around with them. You can investigate, explore. There isn't this, you know, incredible, uh, you know, breakdown of you're going to run X meters and then you're going to have X recovery and then you're going to do this and at this effort like a speed run. You don't have the intensity 
and the focus of this is my longest run of the week. It's got to be 20K or 10K or 30K. Like, you don't have that. You just, I'm going out for a run, which means you can screw around. You can play. Like, easy runs, your recovery runs, should be the most playful runs of the week. So I have a couple ways that you can play with your recovery run. All right, first, just look at it as play. I know I just said to, but now I'm telling you, you need to just look at it as play, which will change the way you're going to not just schedule the run, but where you're going to run. All right, you can run at the park. You can run on the boardwalk. If the sand is hard packed, you can run on the beach. You can run up the hill and down the hill. You can run in and out of neighborhoods. You can run a couple laps on the track and then dart off the track and go on the grass on the field. And then you can go and then you can go on to that other neighborhood that you've never been to or you can cross that bridge. There are so many things you can do. Mix it up is my point. Have some fun with the recovery runs. Don't run the same distance at the same time on the same course. Of course, that's going to be boring because it is boring. Mix things up. And sometimes you can do the same course, just do it backwards. Or you can do the same course at a different time of day. Or you can do the same course with someone. Or if you normally run with a group, do the same course alone. You can do it to new music or old music or a podcast or a guided run. Or this, it doesn't matter how you mix it up. The point is, mix it up. The purpose is to recover from or in anticipation of a hard effort. It is to take back what was lost or stolen from you. It is to give an easy effort while you get stronger. You can achieve any of those things and still have a lot of fun in a lot of different ways. So please, mix up your recovery runs. Come on. And how you measure your recovery runs is another way that you can mix it up. If you're somebody who only runs in Ks, listen, I get it. I understand. But you do know that you can measure them in miles every once in a while. I have to laugh sometimes. I get people that complain about like the five-mile run, which is a guided run, or people who complain about the 8K run and say, why don't you just make a five-mile run? Or why don't you just make an 8K run? And I think to myself, you do realize we're talking about 50 meters difference basically between an 8K and a 5-mile run. So if you're normally doing an 8K, get over yourself and do the 5-mile run. It's the same thing. It's like somebody saying, you know what? I want to run for 10 minutes, but I won't run for 600 seconds. Oh my goodness. What happened to you? Like mix up the way you're measuring your runs. Measure them in seconds. Measure them in minutes. Measure them in meters. Measure them in miles. I did a run once where I said, I'm going to wave to 30 people, which means I have to see 30 people. And the key was they have to see my wave. They don't have to wave back. But that's what I did. I said, I don't know how long this run's going to be. This run could be eight seconds long because I may just pass a group of like 60 people and wave and they may all wave back. This could take me 90 minutes. I could go a long stretch where I don't see anybody. It ended up actually being a very normal run for me, which was bizarre. I was like, this is basically what I would have probably done anyway. But that's how I measured it, just to mix things up. 
Because just like I said, you have a range in the pace, like that gray area when you go for a recovery run, you have a range in distances and durations for a recovery run. Yes, if your recovery run is normally 8K, that means if, you know, you want to go out and achieve the spirit of a recovery run, I don't know, 6K to 10K, somewhere in there, there's your recovery run. And depending on where it is in the week, maybe it's 10K a little bit further away, from a hard effort, maybe it's 6K a little bit closer. So not only can you play with the pace on a recovery run, you can play with the distance on a recovery run. You can you can play with how you measure the distance or the duration. And you can play with where you're doing it, when you're doing it, who you're doing it with. Use the recovery runs to play running. If you can do that, you're going to have more fun running. If you can have more fun running, there's a better chance you're going to want to run more. And I think the more you get to know running, the more likely you're going to fall in love with running. And if you can fall in love with running, then believe me, you're going to be able to run as hard as you need to to achieve what you want to achieve. Because you'll never run hard enough if you don't love what you're doing. So the real key of coaching is is to get your athletes to fall in love with running. And since you are your own best coach, part of your responsibility is to help yourself fall in love with running. And believe me, running wants to fall in love with you. Running is willing to fall in love with you. If there's a hang-up, it's probably coming from you and your relationship with running, not running's relationship with you. So take the time to figure out how you're treating running poorly or treating the runner poorly. How are you treating yourself when you're out there on a run? Are you the toxic aspect to this relationship? Are you sabotaging the relationship? By sabotaging the run, by beating yourself up mentally or emotionally or mindfully when you're out there on a run, are you running the wrong way and trying to get the run to do something it doesn't want to do? Because the run wants to have a good run. The run wants you to have a great run. Are you out there running too hard on an easy day and the run's like, look, I just want to go easy. And you're like, no, we're going hard. The problem could be you. I'm just saying the mirror is a powerful tool. Sometimes you need to look into it honestly. All right. So I feel like we got to the end of this. I mean, I could keep going, but I'm also looking at how much uh, I've been talking. And I'm starting to think that maybe we could have a follow-up on the recovery run down the road. Like we could have a recovery run part two. And maybe it's drawn from questions you're sending me about specifically the recovery run. There's so many cool things we can do with this podcast. I feel like every time I end a topic, I bring up like five more topics, but that's what gets me so excited about this podcast and all of you because the mailbag is jamming. The DMs are, are, are filling up. Uh, this last episode was the biggest episode we've had so far, and I have all of you to thank for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and we're not done yet. We've got a mailbag to do, and then we got to wrap things up. But, you know, it's never too early to tell people thank you. So thank you. All right, let's open up the mailbag, shall we? We shall. And this is coming all the way. It's a postcard, by the way, which is fantastic. And the postcard has... Uh, the Hubble telescope. The image is the Hubble telescope, which is great. And this came actually before, I believe it was before I mentioned that I was watching the documentary on the James Webb telescope. So really fitting. 
All right, and it's coming from Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. I won't hold that against you as a Carolina Tar Heel. And this is from Ben McGill. And uh, so, first of all, Ben, thank you so much. And he has a he has a great question here. Um, what do you listen to on a run? We listen to you, but what do you enjoy? That's a great question. I got to tell you, for most of the last five years. A lot of my runs were me testing the guided runs that I recorded. So I would actually have to listen to myself, which if you think about it, every run I do, I have to listen to myself. But this was a guided run I recorded. So I would go out there. I would make sure that uh, Daniel, the engineer, and I had, had edited it the right way, that it sounded right, that the clips were playing in the right place. So in a way, I was getting my own coaching from me back to me after I had written it and recorded it and edited it I would then have to run so by the time I went out the door and did one of these guided runs this was like the fifth time I had heard it but it was still exciting when it was all put together and I'll tell you what like the coaching and I say this all the time great coaching ages really well and coaching just like running is very repetitive so if you were to go to a basketball practice or a soccer, football, sorry, practice, if you're going to go to a softball practice, tennis, the coaches yell the same things over and over and over again. You know, follow through, watch the ball, um, you know, pay attention to your footwork, you know, uh, let your chin slightly lead your chest, you know, shoulders down, because athletes need to hear these things on repetition, Okay. Sometimes it's just to be reminded of, of you need to do this. Sometimes it's a reminder of, hey, you are doing this, and that's good. Okay, We're affirming your behavior, which, which is, again, an act of repetition. You're doing it. We've taught you to do it. or We've helped you do it, and now we're letting you know you're doing it to reaffirm what has been affirmed by you and your actions. So I always enjoyed that. Um, I, I listen to music a lot now. I, I used to spend... I mean, prior to making the guided runs, I didn't run with anything. I never listened to anything. I wouldn't even listen to music. I would listen to music on warm-ups before races, but that was it. I, I would just not listen to music. So that's changed. I listen to music a lot now. So I have a couple of playlists that I've put out publicly on Spotify that I listen to. So I've got like a 50-hour long 90s playlist I've got like a 40 hour long 80s playlist I have a coach Bennett's I have a coach Bennett's mixtape which is usually about 60 to 90 minutes and it's music that I've been listening to lately and I have that out there so I bounce around those I really really like music I don't listen to podcasts too much on the runs but that actually has has started to change a little bit as well I'm a nerd so I listen to history podcasts a lot. So um, if I'm going to not listen to a guided run or music, it's probably a history podcast. Because like I said, I'm a nerd. I'm a history nerd. I'm a running nerd, which is, I call it a runnerd. And that's what I do. But that is a great question. Um, what do I listen to? And then if I don't have headphones, I'm stuck listening to myself anyway because that voice in my head, yep, it sounds like me because it is me. So thank you so much, Ben McGill from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for letting me be a part of some of your runs. And thank you for sending me this cool postcard of the Hubble telescope. 
All right, everybody, we have reached the end of episode 10. And I just want to thank you again for listening. All right, that was that was weak. Total weak sauce, I'm sorry. But honestly, thank you for listening. I can't wait to see you when we have the double ones, right? The two sticks next week, one, one, 11. All right, so we've got episode 11 coming up next week. Be on the lookout for another Coach Bennett's newsletter if you haven't signed up for that i've got a newsletter on substack the link is in the show notes along with the link to the two coach bennett's talking podcast that i share with my wife the better coach bennett that's tammy she has her own podcast the show up society podcast and a special shout out to her because we are today celebrating our anniversary 21 years she's the best So cheers to you, Coach Tammy. And to everybody else, have a great week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and following on any of the platforms that you're listening. It really does make a difference. And until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Go have some great recovery runs. Thank you so much for listening to Coach Bennett's podcast today. And if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, well, I really wish you would because it helps a lot. Also, check out the show notes because you'll find a link to Coach Bennett's newsletter as well as all the social media sites that I'm on. Places like Threads and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and YouTube and even the artist formerly known as Twitter, whatever that dumpster fire is called today, you'll find a link to it because I'm on there. Thank you so much again for listening, and until next time, take care of yourself.